Hello, and welcome to the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Today's guest is someone who I'm excited to talk to. He is someone who just came into my life recently. He's an amazing human being. We already became fast friends. Uh, Barry Habib is the CEO of MBS Highway, your best-selling author. You're a serial entrepreneur. We're going to uncover a lot of things today, but welcome to the show, my brother. What a pleasure and privilege to be with you. Oh, my brother. Um, listen, I know that you have had such an interesting life. And I started doing a lot of research on you in preparation for this. So I got even more excited to talk to you today. I want to break down, first of all, your other sort of life that you had as a very successful producer in the entertainment industry. I see the poster that you have behind you with Rock of Ages. You were one of the lead producers in Rock of Ages. You produced Chris Angel's Mind Freak, both of which I love. Tell me a little bit about that part of your life. So, you know, in, in life, luck plays such a role and uh, life's about relationships, right? So uh, it was uh, it was an opportunity that came about. And, you know, Michael, quite frankly, it's a good thing that I was pretty ignorant about it because if <laughs> I would have been smarter in understanding that the vast majority of these things don't work out, I would have probably <laughs> ran the other way. So good thing I was kind of dumb about this, right? Uh, and I just followed my heart. Um, I, I was uh, I was blessed to have an opportunity uh, a long time ago on CNBC. Uh, they gave me my own show for 13 years, which was called the Monthly Mortgage Report. And through that, some individuals, they said they liked my voice, this and that. And it was a, a group that said, hey, Barry, um, we think we have a role for you in a movie. Would you like to do that? Jeez, I was like, wow, what a great opportunity, right? Well, they dressed me up as Colonel Kaboom in some pastel outfit in a kid's movie. Stop. Uh, but Stop. It, it was it was so much fun. Uh, but from that, as I mentioned, relationships. So made some really good relationships and actually was in like nine different movies. But one of the movies wow. I was in, uh, it, it's, it's actually a really good movie. I happen to be in the trailer. It's called Barry Monday, M-U-N-D-A-Y. And in this movie, I play a doctor and it's a hysterical love story. It's a feel good movie. And the writer, Chris Storenzo, he said, you know, like I said, relationships, right? So became friendly and just were chatting and I love to be coached. And I was, I was interested in, you know, how, how I can get better. And he's like, I've got this script here. Take a look at it. And it was the script for Rock of Ages. And I was blown away. Uh, again, followed my heart. I got four other friends and we produced it together. Uh, we took it off Broadway first and yeah. the critics loved it. And then we were the only the second show other than in the Heights to get a movie deal from an off Broadway production. And then wow. we said, okay, yeah. Then we said, let's do something really stupid and bring it on Broadway, which you know, listen, I, I was new to this. I didn't know how risky this was. Right. So um, right, wrote some big checks and, and kind of handled the business side of things. And um, fortunately, it worked out. The critics did like it, and it ran for for a very twenty seventh longest running show in Broadway history. But we took it worldwide, and yeah. now I'm actually trying to bring it back to Vegas. So that was great. And because of the same relationships, um, the Chris Angel opportunity came about. And wow. you know, Chris is Chris is an amazing man. He's uh, you know, I, I was there for a lot of the tech, but I still don't know how he does any of these tricks, <laughs> even though I've seen the show like fifty times. But um, it was a great opportunity. So I'm very, very blessed. 
And, you know, you and I chatted about this, but, you know, I brought my godson to see Rock of Ages when he was nine years old. And he had decided at that show when we left to become an actor and pursue his career. He's now 16. He just moved to L.A. And, you know, you were so kind to uh, to create some uh, some connections for him since we've spoken. Uh, but it was amazing how you actually sort of touch people you never know. And the universe sort of like works in such interesting ways where here we are sort of talking about other things talking about the real estate business, looking at some synergies between your company and mine. And it's amazing how this was so interrelated so many years ago. Isn't that incredible? Uh, one yeah. of the nice things about Rock of Ages, it's, it's a very much a feel-good show. And when we sure brought it, it to Broadway, it was a tough time. We were in the midst of the, the recession. We were in the midst of the housing crisis, the mortgage crisis. Things were not looking good. And people would come to the show and they would just for a couple of hours feel so good. My favorite part, my favorite part of the show is now we had them every night. Everybody would be on their feet clapping, which made me very, very happy and proud. But I would always walk to the aisle. And while everybody was looking at, on stage, I would go to the front and look back and see how many people we were making happy. And that was wow. what made it all worthwhile for me. I did that every night. It was just the greatest feeling in the world to say, wow. Look at what we've done to make all these people happy. And, and that was just an amazing feeling. That says so much about you and everything that you've created since then. And, you know, you, you alluded to something. You sort of said it was your ignorance that got it in there. It wasn't. It was the idea that it was your business sense, your skill set. But literally, what, 99% of all shows pretty much fail that try to sort of get to Broadway or to a Vegas production, like what you did with Chris, what skill sets do you think you possessed for those odds to be in your favor? So I'm always trying to learn and I'm always trying to improve. So I consider myself more of a student. And what I've, what I've learned is that skill sets apply, but the bottom line is, is it's how you treat others. If, I think if people really believe that you care and you wanna do the right thing, they don't always find that elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And if you're sincere, if you follow through, if you have the integrity to do what you say you're going to do, when you say you're going to do it, that people discover that the most important element out there is trust. Uh, yeah. And I found that you build trust by two important ways. And this is really important for all of us in business, in my opinion, is that trust, in, in my opinion, comes from A, showing that you can have something to offer. Sure. You can't. You, you can't give what you don't have. So that means you have to do a lot of work behind the scenes and constantly improve so that you have something to offer to help others. And if people right. feel that you're of help to them, they'll see those qualities in you and they'll begin to trust you. And the other is vulnerability. You know, mm -hmm. it's a hard thing for us to do because we're, listen, we're all insecure, right? This is a learning process for all of us, but being vulnerable and not telling just what's good, but telling the other side of it. When we're with a customer, instead of being on other ends of the table, if we can make that customer feel that we're on the same side of the table, looking at this transaction together and not just pointing out what's good, but pointing out what they should look for. If we treat every client or relationship like they're our best friend, our parent, our child, and we're looking out for them, magic starts to happen. Full transparency. It's yeah. amazing. And it's also a mindset, you know, with uh, with EXP, we always talk about 
um, how we've we've added a lot of agents. We don't look at it as agent count. On my team, I talk about lives changed. And so it's a completely different mindset and your team looks at it differently. It's amazing. So tell me a little bit about, uh, let's shift to real estate now. How did you get into the mortgage business? Like most people, especially when, when I was getting into the business, um, it, it was by accident. So yes. um, I had too much energy after college and was, believe it or not, selling stereo equipment out of the trunk of my car. Uh, I love so, this. So it, it gave me a lot of, at a very young age, in my early 20s, the ability to learn about people and to yep. learn a lot about how the universe works. And something that's very true today and very, very true in life one of the things I learned is that when something goes wrong, you know, when a, when a stereo would, would, would fail, uh, now I'm a kid out of the trunk of my car, when that customer would call and they actually got somebody to respond and come out and take care of it or exchange it or fix it or whatever it was, they were so shocked that they yeah. almost felt compelled to either recommend you or to, to buy more <laughs> things from you because just the way that the universe works. And you know, it was an early lesson for me that when things go wrong, it can really be an opportunity. We shouldn't look at it as a, a, a problem or it, of course we'd rather things go right. I, I get that, but it yeah. is a gift sometimes. It is. It is. This wonderful opportunity to show character, to build trust, to build a relationship. It's so true. It's really sort of staying open to those opportunities, which I think is really something that is unique, but it certainly is something that is learned. And you can actually train yourself to do that. You can catch yourself, right? That's part of what, what, what coaching is all about. Agree, agree. So, yeah. so from there, um, I would go to all different areas in, in, in the New York City marketplace and wondered about real estate values and why was real estate in New Jersey less expensive when the proximity was closer and then, than if you were in Long Island. Or, and, and it made me think about it. So at a very young age. Now, by the way, I grew up extraordinarily poor. My, my parents were much older. They were immigrants. They didn't speak the language. And uh, when I was born, I was very lucky because I kind of snuck in there under the wire before uh, there was birth control available, just barely. And while, <laughs> while abortions weren't, were, were, were not legal at the time. So I was, I got, I just kind of made it in there. Right. So, uh, my, my dad was 57. My mom was 40. And back then those were, you know, and they were dirt poor. So now they have this baby on the way. And uh, wow. I was, I was, and my dad passed away when I was, a, when I was a young boy. So I know what it's like to be very poor, which is why what I always try and do is help people. Cause I, I know what it's like. And yeah. as I started to get a group of friends together, we started buying some properties or flipping some properties or fixing up some properties, oh, wow. which was kind of fun and made some money doing this. And then yeah. one night I sat down with the guy doing my mortgage. I was like, so, yeah. And you know, when you're a kid, you, you think you could do anything, right? So, so tell me about this mortgage business, you know, what, you know, tell me, tell me how the, what are the top guys do? I figured, heck, if I could sell stereos on the trunk of my car, I could sell anything, sure. right? That's um, right. It was all customer service, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, pretty much on a whim, I got into the mortgage business. I thought it was a great idea. I love the financial aspect of it. And, oh. you know, my first, How old were you? 25, my first, wow. my first, my first mortgage was an amazing story. This man, Milt Nakbar, he was just a saint. And I had sold him the house. I'd flipped the house to him 
and I was a good kid. I always did the right thing by him. He liked me. He was a little older gentleman. He kind of, kind of took a liking to me as this young entrepreneurial kid. And I said, sure, well, sure. you know, I'm just getting in the mortgage businesses. Would you, would you do me the honor of being my first mortgage application? I says, listen, I don't know everything, so I'll get the help. I'll, I promise I'll do everything I can, but you know, can you be a little patient with me? And he was like, of course, Barry. So I sold him the home and I did his mortgage. And then honest to God, Michael, I wound up selling him the stereo for his new home. <laughs> so, uh, um, so, that is awesome. so from there, I was, I was given the honor of being the top mortgage professional in the U.S., not just in the company, but of all mortgage professionals um, in the 90s. And then started my own company, built it. It was a really good company. And then I sold it because I had this idea to help people in the mortgage industry understand the financial markets. I felt that there was a void there. And again, mm. it was a big risk. And when I first started, the market was hot. All my buddies were making all this free money. And here I am struggling to make ends meet, right? on the on, yeah, Because yeah. it was an idea, but it turned out to be a really good idea. I sold that business. It was a really successful business. And then it gave me the opportunity after doing it to do some of these fun things. And then MBS Highway is what I started to kind of get back. Yeah. Oh my God, that's amazing. So we're going to we're going to touch on that in a minute, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, this award that you've gotten several times from Zillow, the Crystal Ball Award, where you actually were the best predictor of the market, not just once, but three times and have had an extraordinary sort of sense of that, which really is sort of like the, the building blocks of what MBS Highway really is. But I want to get your impressions first on what your thoughts are on the market now. We've been in a very bullish market for many years now, and it doesn't seem to be any signs of slowing down. Tell me your thoughts now. So thank you for mentioning that. It's very humbling to, to have that huge honor. And I owe that to so many people, our team, but also to all the wonderful real estate agents that around the country have given me the opportunity to speak at many of these functions and groups. I've been a professional speaker for 27 years, 28 years, goodness gracious. And <laughs> I talk to people, Michael, you know, I talk to people yeah. and you learn so much about all the different markets before data comes out. So it really gives you a finger on the pulse from our mortgage clients, as well as the wonderful real estate agents that have allowed me to, to, to be part of their day and, and work with them on, on helping to explain what's going on with market conditions. So that's helped. Now, what we see in the real estate market and what we have seen for a long time, by the way, we weren't always bullish. Back in 2006, 2007, I was talking on CNBC why I thought the real estate market was vulnerable. I used to get hate mail. Um, but right, right. Unfortunately, we were correct, but we did, it did not set up the way we, we like. But we continue to really feel very good about the real estate market. And any price is determined by supply and demand, right? More buyers than goods, price goes up. More goods than buyers, price goes down. It's, it, it's, it, I don't want to be, uh, I want to try and keep it simple, but I don't want to be simplistic because there are other factors that are involved. But at its core, that's what determines price direction. So back in the housing bubble, there was far too much inventory. There were 3 million homes for sale. Uh, 3.7 million homes for sale was near record. Today, there's 860,000 homes for sale, but the amount of households has increased by 12 million. So you got many more people, fewer homes. And one of the biggest right. things we look at is demographics because demographics turns out to be destiny. Zillow says that the first time home buyer age, according to their statistics, is 33 years old. Listen, even anecdotally, that seems about right. So mm -hmm. if we go back to birth rates from 33 years ago to determine 
how are birth rates to see what the crop of first-time homebuyers is. This year's crop is greater than last year's crop, but next year's and the year after's will be larger and larger and then larger again, which means that the, the demand coming to the marketplace is very strong. Now, if you want to know why the market is so hot, it's because when you see a household form, it's a first-time home buyer potentially that buys a home. Now, they don't have a home to sell. So they deplete inventory. A move-up buyer, they buy a home and they typically sell a home. So inventory remains neutral. But that first-time home buyer, when they deplete inventory, it gets made up by builders. And what we have seen, not just because of regulation, but also the current supply constraints, supply chain issues, chip shortages, which we need chips, right? And labor shortages, they just can't keep up. They haven't kept up for the last five years, which is why there is such a strong housing market. And now, as we look to the future with demand increasing, we see that there is still going to be some challenges for builders to keep up. So we feel that the housing market will be well supported. Could there be some wild cards? If interest rates get out of hand, will that slow things down? Yes, but not to create a bubble. It will, perhaps in a healthy way, slow appreciation. But here's just one quick side note. When the Fed hikes rates, I know it's counterintuitive, mortgage rates tend to do well and go down because mortgage rates care about inflation. If we can lower inflation by hiking rates, mortgage rates always drop. That is actually one of the best explanations I have heard about what this market is doing and why it continues to do so. So thank you for that. And a lot of what this is, is really been the building blocks of what MBS was. And I know that I had the pleasure of having a demo from you last week. Um, and it's fascinating. It's extraordinary. And what you have done in, in this is really revolutionizing the market. So tell us a little bit about what MBS Highway is for those that don't know. Well, what we try to do is help mortgage professionals, real estate professionals, and ultimately that home buyer see the opportunity in real estate. There are things mm. that on the surface that people don't recognize. So it's easy to become discouraged in today's market. Of course, we understand that because you, by the time sometimes you go to put a bid on the home and, and the average person doesn't see a home and say, okay, here, let me put an offer in. Right. They need a little exactly. time to digest it. Yeah. Right. So as they discuss it, as they talk about it, that home sometimes is already gone. And that can be heartbreaking. Most or, times. Yes. Or you put or you put a bid and somebody outbids you, that could break your heart. Or you can search for a while and it can become discouraging. So because if you don't find something. So what a lot of people say is, I'll come back in six months and see what happens. What we try to illustrate them is specifically to the zip codes that they're searching. What will that market look like in six months based upon demand, supply, and all factors, affordability, the job markets, all those factors combined. And in just about all areas in the country, six months from now, more than likely, things will get more difficult because we don't see inventory improving. We see prices rising. We think that over the next 12 months, we'll see about eight and a half percent appreciation. So if you say in six months, half of that four or 5% appreciation on a dollars $500,000 house, you know, $15,000, $20,000 more expensive. Your mortgage payment's going to be more. You're going to spend more. And then the little secret about amortization, you're not amortizing. So we try to illustrate those things and why it might make sense to stay engaged or even to bid over asking price. And as you know, that's another thing we do is help you make an educated decision rather than an emotional one. Because if you have to bid more to win that home today, which is what it's like, it's like winning a home, right? How can I evaluate 
the fact that if I bid X amount over what the value is today, how long will it take for me to break even? That's what we should be asking. And we can provide that answer. But then looking further down, what happens into the future? What does the next five years look like? Okay, I'm broken even, but then is there a bright future? You know, Albert Einstein said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. And man, was he right? Because That's even right. small amounts of appreciation can create enormous wealth in the future. Once people see that, it changes their perspective. You know, you give somebody the formula of the future cost of money. And that is such an ambiguous term for anyone to grasp. And when you actually provided with this tool, the idea that you can actually have a concrete answer with very strong analytics behind it, that to me is the game changer. When you actually sort of know with predictive analytics, and obviously, as you said, anything can happen, right? It's sort of like you can't sort of foresee a war or something else, but it's sort of like something else, all things remaining equal. Those predictive analytics based on historical performance and based on the things that you just talked about and those factors gives you the future cost of money at a pretty strong um, um, assumption rate. And so that is, to me, what is the most amazing thing with this. For so many years, people have been receiving wonderful notes from their clients, real estate agents and mortgage professionals, and they're kind enough to share them with us and saying, thank you for helping us make this customer see that because a year or two later, when they see what the value of their home has done, because they were on their fen the fence, real sure, estate sure. agents are faced with this all the time where the media has been quite negative and that customer gets in their ear. And if they delay the purchase or chose to rent instead of purchasing the home, they've regretted it. So those that went through, because perhaps we were able to illustrate that in a different light or a more clear way. You know, one of the things we're hearing today is, will we see a recession? Well, what we should know is that during recessionary periods, interest rates drop and very counterintuitively, when we have recessions, you know, home values do very well because interest mm -hmm. rates drop significantly. And we could show the data on that of the nine recessions, eight of the past nine, home values have risen and sometimes quite dramatically. Only one time it hasn't, but there was a different set of circumstances there. It wasn't the recession that caused housing prices to decline. It was a home price bubble back in 2006 and 2007, yep. like we talked about. That actually led us into the recession. It wasn't the other way around. That's fascinating. The other thing I want to talk about is the other poster behind you. You are a number one Amazon best-selling author. Congratulations on that with the book that is Money in the Streets. You were very kind to send me a copy, which arrived yesterday. So I'm very much looking forward to reading that as well. But tell me about that. So I, um, I've learned so many life lessons along the way. And I've had so many interesting things happen to me. And many of them not so great. Um, but what I've discovered is that there's opportunity everywhere. So when I was a little boy, uh, I remember my mom sharing a story with me. And it was kind of funny, but sad when she said that, you know, people think America is such a rich country. And they would tell us there's money in the streets. The streets are lined with gold. All you have to do is bend down and pick it up. And she said, when we came here, you know, it was very different because they were so poor. My mom had to work in a sweatshop. My dad worked at a hot dog stand, you know, and they were really struggling to make ends meet. And, you know, she would tell me the story, how ridiculous it was to think that there was money in the streets. But as I experience things in life and as I understand that there is opportunity everywhere, what we really have to do is just see it and find it. I remember before my mom passed, I was able to sit with her and talk with her 
and say, mom, you know what? You were right. There really is money in the streets. It's just that you have to see it. And if you could see it and pick it up and do good with it, then there truly is money in the streets. So, uh, so that's why I named it money in the streets. That's just, uh, as a reminder that really there is opportunity everywhere for all of us. And this will help you if you're going through the tough times that we all go through, but it will also help you in ways that can help you maximize the good times. That's really a key because when things are going your way to be able to really accelerate and maximize those good times, that could be life-changing for us. That is, I mean, it's such a beautiful statement. I mean, I just got chills when you said that it really is all about perception. And, you know, it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm a child of immigrant parents as well. And so when you start looking at that, you're somehow raised with a different perspective, right? And so it's, it's almost like, you know, it, it's like you're, you're, you feel responsible for the sacrifice they made. hundred percent. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't believe you just said that. So yeah. I'm, I'm a very spiritual person, you know, I'm sure you are too. So every morning I begin with prayer and it always starts with, with thanking my parents for the sacrifices that they made. It's crazy, day. right? And I think it, it's sort of like, I've interviewed a lot of people on the show and it's sort of like when you go through that sort of like, um, it, it's, it's almost like a catharsis, right? And it also depends on where they came from and the reasons they left and whatever it is, but it's sort of like, there are a lot of common denominators and it's always sort of like that first generation, those children of immigrants sort of come in with a different mindset of, you know, wanting to succeed and almost not having a plan B in place. So I think that that's amazing because it just keeps showing up like that. It's, yeah, it's so true. It's so true. It, it, uh, it, it's happened to, to me when I first got into the mortgage business, when I told yeah. you I got it on a whim, it was two months after my wonderful twins, Dan and Nicole were born. So when I got into oh. the mortgage business, there was no turning back. I would visit real estate agents. I'd bring pictures of Dan and Nicole and I'd say, listen, I have to do a great job for you. <laughs> and oftentimes you can't blame real estate agents. They, they need to make sure that their transactions are going to get done. So they're hesitant to give the new kid on a block a chance, but I couldn't go back because I knew what motivated me. I knew there was no turning back and I had no choice but to succeed. So I actually went out at night and knocked on people's doors and asked them if they wanted to refinance. And Come on. Third, I, swear, I swear to God, my third week in the business, I wrote 16 loans. Nobody in the company had ever done that in, in a week. And they're like, what are you doing? But you wrote 60. I said, I'm knocking on doors. They're like, what? They're like, who, who does? I said, well, I have no choice. I have to make this work. I have to succeed because I, love I can't let those kids down. Yes. I love that. It, it was your why. You know, you had your why at an early age and that was probably your greatest blessing. That's amazing. Michael, we, we, you know what? I believe so much that we all do because if yes. when we leave the house in the morning to do what we do, or whether you transition within the house to go from, you know, right, right, right. beginning of your day today, are we keeping this in mind? Are we thinking about what is motivating us today to be mm. the best we can be? Is it money? And please don't be embarrassed if it's money. I think money is a great motivator. Take it from somebody who was very poor. Life is a lot better with money. It doesn't solve all the problems, but you can do so much work for others. Is it competition? Are you competing to be the best? Are you competing with yourself? Confidence, not cockiness, I think comes from if you can be the best version of yourself, 
have yes. your discussions with your clients, with your family, with your kids, with the person that you love. Are you the best version of yourself when you're with them? Because if you are, there's a feeling that you get, which is confidence. And that is so important. Maybe as we discussed, Michael, maybe it's, we owe it to our parents. What a great motivator. Yeah. Maybe it's right. your significant other and saying, I'm going to do this today because I want to make a better life for her, for him. You know, wow. Yeah. I want them to be proud of me. Maybe it's, I'm doing this for my kids because I want to make a better life for them. What could possibly stop you if that's, that's your right. mindset before you that's begin right. your day? What can stop you? I love that. That's it. You know, we're, we're separated at birth, you and I. We <laughs> so, were right away because you, you just have such a beautiful, you have such a beautiful mindset. And mm-hmm. for someone in your position to be so gracious and kind, you just, you just embody so many wonderful qualities that, you know, that's the next level, you know, that, that you're, you're well, I, that was, I was just mirroring you. I was mirroring you and your heart. So, you know, you intimated before that, you know, you learned a lot of great lessons. Tell me what one of the greatest lessons you've learned in your career thus far has been. Um, I, I think it's that, um, you know, it, it goes back to when things go wrong. So if we think yeah. about our life and we think about, you know, maybe we're blessed with this great job or maybe we have this great relationship. How did we get there? It often started because of a terrible heartbreak, or maybe we had a job change that hurt us and made us feel awful. And we wished so bad that it didn't happen. We wished so bad that we didn't break up and we felt so, but if we didn't go through that, we wouldn't have gotten here. That's right. And if you're going through that now, what you have to believe, and it's not easy to do, what you have to believe is there is something better. There is something that there's a reason for this. It's leading you to something better. There's something better that's in the cards for you that's coming. And just have faith and believe in it. And if you're going through a time like this, there is going to be something better down the road. Love it. Love it. So, you know, you, you've seen a lot in this business, you've been public speaking for a very, very long time. What would be three pieces of advice that you would give somebody entering the business today? So think about yourself when you were talking about coming into the business in your early 20s, where you had your your focus and what you were doing. What sort of advice, three pieces of advice you would give somebody entering the business today? Someone knew, always knew, wherever you are experienced, always be a student, always be learning and never get too comfortable. Constantly push yourself to be better because things are changing and people are coming over your shoulder uh, that you want to try and stay ahead of. I think that if we can, if we can constantly adapt, learn and push ourselves to be better, that's a very important element, not easy to do. Okay, because right. it takes hard work. And that's what's great about sales is that you're rewarded for your hard work. Yes. Um, you yes. get out what you put in. You know, I was a good high school athlete, but when I got to college, it seemed like people got better than I got and <laughs> I couldn't get there. And that has so much to do with God-given talents. I was first at practice. I worked harder, but it, 
I couldn't get there because I just didn't, you know, I couldn't jump as high. I couldn't run as fast, you know, so this, you don't have to jump high. You don't have to run fast. You just have to have this. You just have to heart. You just have to say, I am going to outwork people. I'm going to learn more. I'm going to do it in a way that's going to affect more people in a positive way. I'm not going to think about making money. I'm going to think about helping others. And if I can approach it that way as how can I help more people? How can I do good? You cannot help the rewards come to you. You can't help the referrals come to you. Uh, so I would also say, don't give up and don't be discouraged because it's easy. It's easy to get down. It's easy to have obstacles. Those obstacles are tests. Your competitors might not pass those tests. What's going to separate you and make you more successful is getting through those obstacles and learning from them and not giving up. Throw more at me. That's fine. I'm going to get past them and I'm going to go. And then maybe, and, and maybe the, the, the third one is believe in yourself. Mm. Believe in yourself because how many times have we had like this great idea and it's in the evening and you think about, oh yeah, what if I did that? What if I do that? And then the next morning we don't do it, right? We, we, yep. So yep. we talk ourselves, oh no, it's too hard. It's too much work. Believe in yourself, believe in yourself. You know, there's a great little example that um, one of the best differences for people uh, starts like this. If I were to say to all of you listening, would you rather have a penny every day that doubles, <laughs> for, let's say a month or a million dollars, what would you take? Now, everybody's smart listening. So, you know, I'm baiting you with the penny. Okay. Yeah. But let's think about it. So that's a penny, two cents, four, eight, 16, 32. At the end of the week, you only have 64 cents. At the end of two weeks, it's only $81. At the end of three weeks, it's $10,000. But now at the end of four weeks, it's 1.3 million. If you go to the 30th of the month, it's 5.3 million. But what if we started earlier and we had a month with 31 days, now it's 10.7. So here's the lesson. Which double would you want? Obviously, it's the last double that means the most. How do you get more doubles? Start sooner. And the lesson mm -hmm. here is that for all of us, procrastination is a thief. Procrastination will rob from you. And what we need to do is take action. If you believe in something, if you see something, if you see an opportunity, Michael, the opportunities that you give people, they see that, why procrastinate? Do it, do it sooner, and you'll get more out of it. Procrastination is a thief. That's powerful. I love that. I have one final question for you, my brother. In your book of life, what is this chapter called and why? I've always tried to be from a position of gratitude. Mm. And I think that's so important. So I'm extraordinarily grateful. You know, I'm looking forward to wonderful things. And I think this is a time um, where I'm very, very interested in, in giving um, because I am so grateful and I am so blessed. And listen, I, I always think that we need to reach forward, right? We, we need to do that because we have to keep growing, right? If we're not growing, we're dying by definition. So we have to keep reaching forward, keep getting better, keep striving for more and reach forward. But you know what? While one hand reaches forward, I think it's important for the other hand to reach back and bring others with you. And to me, Michael, when, when we look at so many people that are successful, that have wealth, they're still unhappy. 
And that's mm. because I feel that they're missing fulfillment. And yeah. happiness is not easy, but yeah. you need success. You need achievement. You need these things, but you also need fulfillment. And for me, and for so many people, fulfillment comes from helping others and doing good. And if you do that, the feeling that it brings you, you know, when you do something for someone, they may thank you for doing that for them. I say, thank you for letting me do it. Thank you for allowing me to have this feeling of knowing that I'm doing good. I love that. I love that. This has been so amazing. You know, you and I literally just, just met very recently, but I feel like I've known you forever. And it's, uh, it's, very, it's very rare. So I'm looking forward to our continued friendship. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the human being and the teacher and you know, the, the, the motivator that you are for so many other people. The fact that you affect and touch so many people, the fact that indirectly you, you, you touched my family with my godson so many years ago by one of your actions, it's that ripple effect, which is so amazing. And I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for the time today and your words. This has been amazing. It's been a privilege and an honor to, to be, be with you. And, and thank you for your friendship. And God bless you guys. Uh, wishing you nothing but the best. Thank you, Barry. And thank you, all of you, for listening. This has been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez.